You're listening to Faith-Based Mental Health, a weekly podcast designed to bridge the gap between spirituality and psychology. Welcome to Faith-Based Mental Health. I'm your host, Pastor Colt Wagner, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Ron. Aloha, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, a very exciting topic. We're going to be talking about how to fight fair within a relationship, specifically uh, within a marriage relationship. And a lot of what I'm going to have to bring to the table today is largely based on a book called Fight Fair, Winning at Conflict Without Losing at Love by Tim and Joy Downs. And I'm shouting out that book because if by the end of this episode, you've heard some things that you liked and want to kind of learn more about, you'll be able to gain some more insight into this topic if you uh, pick up a copy. Uh, Really good book. I I definitely recommend it. There's a link to the book on serenitycarecounseling.com. So they can find it there and link and we get a a bit of affiliate kickback. Doesn't cost you any extra. Uh, It doesn't make us rich but it's kind of a way of supporting the podcast if that's something you're going to buy anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. So go ahead and and get it through that link as always the, the spot for you to, to learn more about us or to get any more resources having to do with what we're providing you right here is serenitycarecounseling.com. But without any further ado, we're going to jump into this topic of, uh, how to fight fair within the marriage context. Because, uh, Dr. Ron, are we under any uh, conception or misconception that there won't be fighting within a marriage? Or is that kind of like an automatic, a given? Oh, I sure hope there's fighting in a marriage. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, pity the man, not who wins or who loses on the battlefield, but the man who never had the moral courage to stand for anything worth fighting for. That's poetic right there. I don't I don't think Dr. Ron's writing poetry just yet, but but maybe he'll start sometime soon. That's good stuff. Yeah. It, what you know what scares me, Colt, is the couples who come in for counseling who who don't fight ever because they've reached a point where um there's nothing she can say that would actually she can't even hurt me anymore. They've become so insulated that th- they don't feel number there's a couple of things going on they've insulated themselves so much from their partner so that there's nothing that their partner could ever do to upset them or that's one one avenue that's really bad by the way that's like mm. you even if you're not divorced you are divorced you know you just don't know it right you're living and acting as if you're divorced uh, the second is the marriage that's gotten to a place where they don't fight because they never bring up things that are important to them, to their partner. They never share opinions and feelings, whether or not they've uh, come to appreciate their relationship as a place where it's not safe to tell their story or to share their opinion, or whether or not they've reached a place where they don't feel that the friendship aspect of their relationship is strong enough that their partner would even care about their opinion. And so we find a lot of this going on. So so kind of partners get to a place where one or both of them make the decision of, 
there's no point in bringing up these important topics because we're not going to go anywhere good with it anyway. So I'm just going to, we're just going to live like a surface marriage kind of thing. Yeah. And there's a couple of ways that that plays out. Um, you have a dominant passive relationship at times uh, where one person just always gets their way. Um, and that's the win lose as um Stephen Covey would say, you know, he talks about the different types of relationships. That's that win-lose. And then there are just lose-lose where nobody gets their way, you, you know. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't necessarily like the idea of compromise. It compromises, I win. It, it compromises more of like nobody really gets what they want. I prefer the term harmony, where we get to a place where we respect each other's opinions so strongly that we're differential in trying to put the other person's needs and wants ahead of our own. And when we reach that level of symbiotic relationship, um, that's when real growth and connectivity takes place. And so that's what you would kind of call a a win-win, I guess, and that's what we should be after. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, um, I do, I did want to ask you, uh, what, as far as fighting within a marriage, cause like you talked about in the very beginning, uh, that's a given, you know, it, it's going to happen unless you, you're getting to a point where you're so cold with each other for one reason or another that you're not discussing these important topics for most marriages though, there's going to be fighting. Um, what would you say? Or, or I'm sorry, would you say that most arguments are about the facts of the argument or that they're more about the underlying hurt feelings? Um, how would you answer that? Well, that's an interesting dichotomy because I, I necessarily wouldn't automatically jump to that dichotomy. Um, to me, feelings are facts. If you feel something is true, if you believe it to be true, then you begin to respond and act as if it is true, you know. And so then the feeling of the matter becomes the fact itself. Whether or not it's grounded in reality is kind of immaterial. But I think what you're getting at is the idea of um, it's not about the nail, right? There's this meme if you haven't seen it on youtube just go to youtube type in it's not about the nail um not about the nail let me see if i can just tell describe it for you uh without you having to see it so there's a a woman and a man and they're fighting uh and she has a nail sticking out of her head (laughs) and uh like literally you know (laughs) so and she goes, I just feel like this pressure, like there's this pain and I just can't seem to understand it. And he's like, well, it could be because there's a nail sticking out of your head. And she's like, it's not about the nail. You know, uh, there's just something that keeps coming in between us every time I reach for connection. Uh, could be the nail, you know, so. I think that's the point you're 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 getting at. It's not whether or not the toilet seat or is up or down. It's do you love me enough to even consider how I want the toilet seat to be? You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. 
Dr. John Bowlby talks about the attachment theory. Um, if, if you hadn't had a chance to take a look at that. But the idea of the attachment theory, well, it really comes from childhood attachments to mothers specifically, uh, and also fathers. Interestingly enough, fathers tend to have even more of an impact on one's attachment style. But then it translates into relationships. And the bottom line is, in terms of how it impacts arguments and fighting, is couples who have strong base of attachment you know, um, tend to get away with a lot more disagreement because if I feel that there's a secure attachment, then I'm able to bring up the thing that I real that really bothers me about what you're doing, because I don't have a fear that you're just going to walk away from me and abandon me as a result of me having a strong opinion one way or the other. Um, so I think that's what you're really getting at with. Is it about the underlying feelings or is it about the facts? I think it's about the underlying attachment. You know, yeah. we talk a lot and there'll be a, probably a whole uh, podcast about conflict resolution. Like, how do I get to a resolution uh, from this thing that we're disagreeing and fighting about? But what I've found is nine times out of 10, connection is the resolution. Mm-hmm. I, I give you mm-hmm. I give you a case in point. Uh, uh, a woman comes home from work and she's complaining about, you know, Martha. Martha was mean to her in the cafeteria and uh, Martha wasn't treating her right. And the husband, who has this linear model of thinking, you know, pre-built in, I told you what to do about Martha you know, three days ago. And you obviously don't want a solution because I gave you the solution and you didn't take my advice, you know? Uh, So don't come to me complaining about Martha if you're not willing to do something about it. Well, you know, at the end of the day, maybe it's not about Martha. Maybe Martha is the nail, right? Maybe it's about having a safe place to tell her story of her experiences at work. Maybe you don't have to fix it all the time. Maybe you don't have to have a resolution to the fight if you can first have a connection. So, yeah, that's I think that's what you're getting at with that question, Colt. Did I answer that? And it's kind of a long yeah, no, yeah, for sure, Dr. Ron. And and I would say, sadly, I've probably not normally, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that I've at least had one or two times where I sounded like that husband where I'm like, well, we already talked about this. You already know what to do about the problem. Why are you still worried about it? You know, um, and I, I sometimes am just as wise as that gentleman in in, in my linear thinking. Um, but that's that's one for me to work on, too. Oh, yeah, we, we're all that way. We're all problem solvers at one level or another. Um, but sometimes, actually most times the connection is the fix. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, in thinking about this, uh, I had thought that maybe an example would be that, uh, in the argument of saving versus spending money, um, that it's not really about that necessarily. It's more, it could be, the argument might be more about security than anything else. Does that make sense? Like there's this underlying issue it's not always the the surface issue that it looks like but but sometimes it's an underlying thing with that always accurate 
Yeah. Always. Now, saving versus spending, that's an interesting topic. Uh, money, that probably needs to be uh, an entire podcast. It's or, one or of like the main things. like a series of podcasts. Yeah, a series of podcasts. In fact, um, I know a guy who did a series of podcasts, Dave Ramsey. Yeah, you know, he's got a small right, little podcast. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some <laughs> people know who that is. Yeah, some. you, you know, you could make a whole business model out of this. Right, right. Yeah, but that's an interesting uh, concept. You know, um, what is the meaning of money? You know, what is money in and of itself? I mean, what is the what makes one piece of paper worth a hundred dollars and another piece of paper the receipt? <laughs> you, you know, and and it's not the quality of the paper. There's an underlying faith or assumption about what that paper represents that makes it worth something or not worth anything. And so we can sort of understand that with the concept of cash, but it's really hard to sort of translate it, that into a bit of self-awareness as to why it's important for you to have faith in that piece of paper. For some people, money is a sense of security, you know? Mm. And this is a faith-based podcast, right? So I can say this. Um, some people are putting their faith in the money as a form of security when it should be put in God, right? Yeah. <laughs> it should say the money says in God, we trust, but somehow it's become in the money we trust. Mm. Um, for other people, money is a way that they reward themselves for a job well done. You know, um, they feel like, yeah, hey, that's great. I'm going to go out and, and this is imprinted at an early age. I'm going to go out and buy an ice cream, you know, and then when we're older, you know, I got a promotion. I'm going to go out and buy a new car. And it, I mean, everybody does it. I mean, I've spent my career in the military. You come back from a deployment, you get a promotion, go get a new car. But nobody sits there and thinks this is a psychological pre-programming that has come from yeah. youth, right? So yeah. when the woman for whom money is a sense of security marries a guy for whom money is a sense of reward, now we got problems because he just rewarded himself with a car that cost her her security. Or she's keeping him in order for her to keep her security. She's keeping him from feeling a sense of accomplishment. For other yeah. people, money is about power and control, you know. Uh, the golden rule for them is he who has the gold makes the rules, <laughs> you, you know. Um, other people view money with a sense of embarrassment, you know. So what is your psychological pre-programming toward money? And that's just one topic. Man, just... there's a lot that we're going to have to cover at some point. Um, that's good stuff. And, and you made me, you just made me kind of realize something about myself. You know, when, uh, when I was in high school, I was a waiter for a little while. I was not a great waiter. Um, but that's, you know, I did, I had that position, that job for a while. And I made this rule for myself that if I got above, I don't, I don't think I ever told anybody this. If I made above $75 in a shift in tips, and I know some of you are listening and you're a waiter and you're like, man, that's terrible. I know it's terrible. I was not a good waiter. So if I made above 75 bucks, I was going to stop at DQ and get myself an ice cream. Um, hey, yeah. And so I guess it became a reward for me. And But thankfully, for my sake of my finances, 
even though my finances have gone up, I'm still stuck in the mode of ice cream's the reward. <laughs> so oh, not good yeah. for my waistline, but yeah. It, when I grew up, I grew up uh, not poor, but not rich. <laughs> okay, I guess I was kind of poor. Uh, all the cool kids had Michael Jordan shoes. So this is hitting me right where I'm at right now because I just recently retired from the military. And I've to this day, you know, I am a field grade officer of the United States military. To this day, I've never been able to bring myself to buy Michael Jordan shoes because it always seemed like an extravagance. <laughs> You know, so some people are getting like Rolexes for retirement. And I went out and bought my first pair of Michael Jordan shoes because for me, that was rewarding oh. myself. I, I don't know. It's got to be the shoes, that bro. That is amazing. It's got to be the shoes. And it's such psychologically. The question is, though, do they, do do they, they look good? That's the real question. Do they look do good? They, Cole, I, I haven't been able to bring myself to put them on yet. Uh. Can you can you psychoanalyze me on this? They're in a closet. The <laughs> they're, they're in a closet. I'm too nervous to put them on. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so we got what issues. Is, what, what, what is it? You know, it's it really is interesting. Speaking of Michael Jordan shoes. You know, there was a homeless guy we met in San Antonio. Uh, it's a little bit of... Uh, a, uh, a rabbit trail, but it's kind of related to this concept. And we found a pair of Michael Jordan shoes and we gave them to the homeless guy. Uh, he turned out to be the son of a very famous person whose name I will not, you know, uh, let's just say that person had a very strong web presence. We were able to connect with that person and they were able to track down, well, their son. They begged me, go back and find him. Oh, I mean, it's a city of hundred thousand people. I'm supposed to go find this guy. Well, I did. I found him in a culvert sleeping two days later and said, Hey, your dad's trying to reach you. And I looked down and he didn't have the Michael Jordan shoes on. I'm like, what the heck? Why are you still semi barefoot? You know? And he had him in his backpack under fear that if he put him on, he would be assaulted. Yep. You know? So even for him, there was this concept what michael jordan what do michael jordan shoes mean to you and for him it was security but in the other way better not let anyone know i got these michael jordan right so yeah interesting. the moral of this whole podcast is that there's something about michael jordan shoes and Gotta i guess be the we shoes. need to stay away from them or I, maybe we need to buy them i'm not sure uh, <laughs> yeah i don't know um but you do bring up a good point about is it the thing that we're fighting about or is it something else? And this is probably a, a good point to sort of capstone this episode on. And it's the concept of anger. The Bible says in Ephesians, be angry. It's in the imperative. Be angry. In other words, fight. Because that shows that you're passionate about something. But sin not. And, you know, anger to me is the same as pain to injury. So the pain, when I broke my arm, an 11-year-old girl kicked a soccer ball and it hit my wrist and broke my wrist. I didn't even have a, a funny story to tell. Oh, you should see the other guy because it was an 11-year-old girl. <laughs> but the reason why I knew to go back and get it x-rayed two days later I didn't get it x-rayed at first because I thought, there's no way. There's no way an 11-year-old girl could break my wrist. But the reason I finally went back is because it still hurt. 
and it indicated something needed to be healed. And so anger is the same thing. It's it's a symptom pointing to a deeper injury. And oftentimes it's masking a sense of loss, a sense of hurt, a deeper thing. And if we can connect to that thing and communicate that thing, then we'll find healing. But let me tell you this, though, to sort of wrap it up. Ultimately, it wasn't the cast that I got. And I did get a nice, beautiful blue cast on my arm. It wasn't the cast that healed my arm. Because you could put a cast on a zombie <laughs> and it's not going to heal their broken arm. You could put a cast on a corpse. No, there has to be life in that person in order for that bone to heal. And whether we have a Higgs boson particle accelerator or not, searching for the God particle somewhere deep beneath the European landscape, science has never been able to recreate bringing life out of nothing. And so when we feel the pain of anger and we turn toward and we use it to, to cause us to search deeper to find out where is this coming from, and then we can put the cast on it through therapy, through self-help, but ultimately, ultimately the cure for all of this is God himself. Only God can bring life. And uh, that's why I rejoice and thank God for fighting and rejoice and thank God for anger because it brings us closer to him if we allow it. Amen to that. Amen to that. And, and, and it's, it's, it's a necessary part of, of the relationship. So I love it. I think this is such a great topic. We'll probably have to do a, a part two on this one. Um, but for now, uh, I just want to remind our listeners that, again, you know, we're talking a lot about the book Fight Fair. We're, we're also just talking about the concept of fighting fair. And so if they want to check more into that and learn more about that and maybe read the book, uh, they can get that on serenitycarecounseling.com. Um, and I'll put that in the show notes, of course. But also, if you're listening to this episode and you're like, you know what? I know some people who could really learn a little bit about how to fight uh, a little bit more in a healthy way, uh, and which would probably be anyone. Um, you know, suggest this ep- suggest this episode to them. Um, let them know where we're at. Tell them to check us out uh, on wherever they listen to their podcast. And also, of course, as always, we want to say that if if this is bringing value to you, we would love for you to hit that subscribe button so we can uh, have you on again next week and and hopefully learn together and grow together. Yeah. And don't, don't forget, you can always reach us through the contact portion of the app. If you're having trouble working out some of your fighting and your anger issues at home, maybe you need professional help. You know, I couldn't put the cast on myself. I needed a doctor to put the cast on for me. So if that's you, don't, don't be afraid to reach out, book an appointment and uh, we'll get you uh, taken care of for you and and your relationships. Thanks. Absolutely, absolutely. I really appreciate that, uh, Doctor Ron. And with that, we'll go ahead and and say thank you for listening. And and we're looking forward to seeing you again next time. And we hope that you have a blessed day. Bye bye. <laughs>